0: Hello everybody, welcome to your Blood Red podcast, I'm Andy Kelly and today I am joined by our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hi James. Hi Andy. And uh, and our partner in crime today is uh, is our LFC digital guru, Paul Gorse. <laughs> you right, Gorsty. I'm oh, alright, Andy, yeah. Uh, well look, it's, it's been uh, a week since uh, we did a Blood Red. Um, last time uh, we were here, we were looking at uh, the Mohamed Salah deal which was just about to be confirmed by Liverpool indeed was confirmed a few hours uh, later um so we'll reflect quickly on that James because it feels almost like a long time ago now but it was good for Liverpool to get one over the line and he's a player that fans are rightly excited about I think
1: yeah i i, I think certainly i think you know the fact that Liverpool have, have gone and got someone of that caliber was a was a huge plus to kind of to really kick off the window, I know before that obviously they did the deal for Dominic Solanke, but this was the first one of three big priorities for Klopp um, ticked off. And you know, and I think you know, yeah, to get someone with, with you know, with, you look at his numbers in Italy the last couple of years hugely impressive. Um, certainly the perfect fit for the way that Liverpool play under Klopp. You know, and I think also a big statement as well when you think that you know, they've taken him off the the, the second best team in. In Serie a last season, and uh, yeah, I think you know that was that was that was a, a big boost after you know what had been a really frustrating few weeks.
0: Paul, the the Salah deal. Any concerns about it in terms of obviously his time at Chelsea, where he didn't get great opportunities to be fair, but didn't do a great deal when he did. Or are you in the camp where he's had? Such a good sort of two and a half years in Italy that that he's a different player now.
2: Yeah, I think he's a very different player. He was he was like 21 when he was at uh, Chelsea and he got less than 20 appearances. Um, he scored 19 in all competitions for Roma last year, and uh, a lot of people can say you know it's a different league and it's it's not quite the Premier League in terms of you know the standard. But Serie A defenses are always going to be well drilled and you know very good. So for him to score 19 in all competitions and plus his pace is you know his major asset. And you can transfer a to any league, so I think that is obviously a big bonus to Liverpool.
0: Great point, that isn't it, Percy? Like, if we talk about people that, if anyone who's worrying about Serie A in terms of a standard, I mean, we've seen Juventus, who were the only team better than than, than Roma yeah. in Italy, get to you know two out of the last three Champions League finals. Is that right? And um, yeah. and if there's one part of Italian football that they don't struggle at, it's generally defending, and he's he's made his mark there against what must be a lot of very good players.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, not only the goals, but you look at his assists as well. I think, you know, what was the double figures for, for both of those, you know, one of only eight in Europe um, across the whole of last season, you know, hugely impressive. I think it was quite a surprise in a way that Liverpool almost had a free reign at him. You know, it was, you know, I think the reason why that is the deal that's done in terms of the big ones and, and the other ones aren't is because, you know, probably two reasons. One is that, the, the, his club were willing to sell Roma. You know, obviously it was well known that you know they needed to they needed to generate some some money this this summer to um, to satisfy I think FFP, um, and then also the, the fact that Liverpool weren't really up against anyone. And I think you know I think that surprised them because you, know, you look at the year he had last year, and you probably would have expected a few more of the big boys to be in for him. But you know, it was he was certainly a player that was you know Klopp had pinpointed as someone who. Know, not just a body or a squad player, but someone who could literally come in and improve his starting lineup. And you know the fact that Liverpool had a pretty much a, a, a free go at it enabled them to wrap that one up relatively quickly.
0: It's probably done, I think, in terms of the money that Roma were wanting for the player. Probably narrowed it down to very few yeah. clubs, didn't it? And then if you look at potentially, they what's often seen in continental Europe is that you make your money out of selling to England, don't you? And um, you look at the top clubs in England. A lot of them sort of have that position. It's not a priority for them, is it? You know, you look at City. They've got the likes of Sterling and De Bruyne in those types of positions. United have got like uh, you know your likes of you like some Mkhitaryan, Avenue and Martial. They're playing yeah. wide Rashford's and, play and, by and Rashford percentage. as well. They've got they've got yeah. in, a, in a lot of those positions. Um, Arsenal would have been the potentially. I would have thought would have been the, uh, the type of club who might have been interested. But it all depends for them on what happens probably with um, Sanchez and, and, yeah. and Ozil and everything else, and they're probably not in a situation to know exactly what they need just yet. So that probably worked to Liverpool's advantage. I would have said, James, didn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that. I think um, you know it was. It, I think it was Liverpool were relatively fortunate. I think you're right, and the fee was always going to restrict the number of clubs who would who would definitely be in the market for him, and then probably either other top clubs not. Viewing that position as a necessity, other clubs not being sure exactly what their need, you know, it allowed Liverpool to to nip in there and and, and get that deal done. And you know, if if only um, you know the the other big priorities for Klopp were were quite as straightforward.
0: Yeah, well, we'll go on to that because I know um, we had to have a little chat about Salah, but I know that a lot of people listening to the, the podcast have moved on, haven't they? I mean, yeah. to a certain extent. You do that very quickly, don't you, Ghosty? You get him in the bag, you, he, he gets to Melwood, he has his nice shirt, we see a nice video of his medical and all those other things, but straight away you're going, there's a thirst for where's the next one coming from? And it's been a little bit of a quiet week on that score, hasn't
2: it? It has, yeah, but I think you have to remember it's still only June. Uh, Transfer window doesn't officially open until Saturday, and then even then you've still got six weeks before the season begins. So it's a, um, it's a long process, um, and it, it, it does seem a bit mad that it was only a week ago that Salah signed because, you know, it seems like it, it was a while ago, as you said, before we, before we pressed record. Um, but, you know, it's early days, and I think Jürgen Klopp has sort of established who he wants and, you know, he's prepared to go after them. And, you know, we, we haven't really heard, because, you know, Van Dijk hasn't worked out so far and Keita they're asking for X amount and whatever it may be, we haven't really heard of any alternatives. So it's sort of, they're the men who Klopp wants and... That's who's prepared to to stick by and you know go after those, as uh, as strong as you possibly can.
0: Well, Peter, let's get into that in a little bit more detail, mate. The um, Keita was sort of seems to be the one that fans moved on to next, probably because yeah. obviously we'd had a bit of the Farrago with Van Dijk, which we'll get on to in, in, in a minute. But in terms of where we're up to, but um, Nabi Catter uh, Jones and I did a chat over on our Anfield Extra service with uh, Archie Rinter, who's a Bundesliga expert, and he was raving about KT as a player. Um, you described him as having elements of N'Golo Kante yes, which has been well documented thing, but he says lots of Andres in it in in him as well, which is, you know, that's that, that's some very player. that's some player, yeah. isn't it? And um the problem seems to be that uh RB Leipzig finished second in the Bundesliga and I think it was their was it their first season First season, season, yeah. first season yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in top flight, which is an incredible achievement, really, when you look at some of the teams, that um, they will play Champions League football next season after the UEFA ruling, and um, and they're playing hardball. They, they they don't want to sell.
1: They don't, and it doesn't look like there's going to be any resolution to that situation anytime, anytime soon, I think. I think you're right. You know, people did move on to Kaita as being, you know, it was almost like a sense of right. We've done Salah, so now let's just do Kaita. But you know, if only if it was if it was that easy. Um, you know, I know there's reports in Germany this week that they want 70 million pound, I think 80 million euros for Kaita. But you know, from, in terms of Liverpool's point of view, the answer just is he's not for sale. You know, it's not like they they haven't been given a price of if you give us X amount, you can have him. You know, the, the answer is he's not for sale now you know obviously things change over the course of a transfer window but um you know, it's it's just a bit you know it's a bit of a different situation to your usual one you'd find because you know as everyone knows you know Leipzig bankrolled by by Red Bull you know they they're not in a you know, they're not a Roma who who you know you can you know turn their head with a, a big sum of money because they don't need the money and you know Kai under contract I think for another 3 years you know as you said they're in the Champions League um so it's it's a very very difficult deal for Tr- Liverpool to try and to try and get done. It's you know I'd, people will obviously doubt you know the, the commitment from say the owners front or whatever to, to putting the summer money required in place. But I don't get that sense at all with this one. I think it literally is you know they're they're hitting a brick wall in terms of a club that aren't prepared to sell. I think the big thing will be what happens when he goes back there for pre-season. You know, there was, there was murmurings this week that he is keen on a move to Anfield but isn't prepared to really kick up a fuss. Well, you know, it, will he, when he goes back there, will he just knuckle down and accept that his future is at Leipzig like, for another 12 months? We, we know he's got this clause in his contract where he's available for €55 million Euros next summer, about £48 million. Pound. Um, it seems to be the case that Bayern Munich, who were heavily linked with him as well, have almost accepted that, you know, he, he'll he be one that they'll look at for for next summer. Yeah. Um, you know, is is Kite going to accept that and, and and get on with it or is he going to agitate for a move I think unless unless he does the latter then it's going to be very difficult for Liverpool to get to so secure his, secure his services Of course it's a difficult one isn't it
0: because as a lot of football fans and I put myself in, in this club don't like to see players um, disrespecting their club in terms of you know in Piercy's words sort of agitating for a move and we, we've certainly been, We've seen players like, for you know, I always mention Raheem Sterling at this point, but you know that was a very unsavoury episode in Liverpool's yeah. history, and we expect players if Liverpool don't want to sell them, uh, you know, to stay at Anfield, and and those who sort of force their way out are generally, you know, reviled, aren't they, to to a certain extent, yeah. Yeah. and it it's difficult, however much you want to a player, you know, to see him in red or maroon or whatever the new home kit is is officially these <laughs> days. Um, nice it is, by the way, but uh, the uh, it's difficult to sort of hope that a player goes in and, and makes a hell of a stink to try and almost, for, for a club yeah. to say, OK, then go on, get out of here sort of thing.
2: I mean, there's only two clubs who a player can leave Liverpool for that fans will accept, and that's Real Madrid and Barcelona. But I think the last time Liverpool spent anywhere near this kind of money that, that they're talking about was... In two thousand and eleven, when he bought like Henderson, uh, Charlie Adam, Jose NBK, Stuart Diamond, they bought Andy Carroll six months earlier. Uh, but they were sort of cherry picked from teams who weren't as good as Liverpool in the same division to so be being able to basically say you are going to come to Liverpool because we're a bigger club. Like Liverpool now, are targeting players from Roma and RB Leipzig who were runners up in their respective leagues and you know three uh, two of the top four leagues in Europe. So it, it's not going to be plain sailing, especially when they're Trying to target, you know, the kind of figures that they're talking about. Van Dyke's a little bit different because obviously, you know, he's at Southampton, but it's um it's not going to be easy for the Bulls to snare these kind of players. But that's why they're, they're so in demand, and that that's why they're so good. So
0: yeah, P C. That's the thing, isn't it? We we, as Ghosty says, we're in different waters now, aren't we? We we are now. Um, you know, Klopp's highlighted in the past that there's a very narrow uh, number of players that he that. He, He's looking at who will potentially improve. He feels his his team and his squad. Um, I'm not sure if all fans buy into that in terms of certainly not in terms of the squad. But um, you know he'll he, he's obviously got his targets as we said earlier. If if those targets don't come off, um, what what there's some concern about I guess is that the, there doesn't seem to be. A backup, and, and there may not be a backup because essentially he may, it's either the player he wants or he'll hold fire.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. I get the impression that it's not like it's not like he says I I need a centre half and I need a centre midfielder during this window. He's saying I want Van Dyke and I want Kaita because I know that those two will improve the, the starting eleven. And so I think you're right. There is you know there isn't really you know the way I understand it at the moment. Any concrete backup plan, you know, there isn't a second choice Kite or a second choice Van Dyke because you know he wants to ensure that if they sign a centre half, he's better than I don't know, say Lovren. He's already got. Um, you know, my concern on that front would be, you know, if you, if you even if even, you know, obviously Lovren divides opinion amongst Liverpool fans. But even if you, even if you're a big Lovren fan, and suggest well, you need to, you still need to bring a centre half this summer who's better than Clavan. Because I would say you can't go into the season with Klavan as the third choice centre half when, especially with you look at the amount of football that Matip and Lovren missed last season. I think centre midfield is a bit different because I think I think Keiter is viewed as such a a special talent by Klopp and you know as you said earlier, we've all spoken to various German experts this week and I spoke to Oliver Hartmann from from kicker who watches him week in week out and absolutely raving about him and. Is qualities and you know, and I think so. It's not. It's not like Liverpool need a centre midfielder. So if they don't get Kaita, they have to get someone else. Because I think you know, you could you could run off five or six centre midfielders Liverpool have got. Um, you know, especially if you threw into the equation Coutinho dropping a bit deeper. You know, it's you know with Henderson, you know, back fit for the start of pre-season. You know, it is actually quite a congested area of the squad. But I think he feels as if Kaita is that good. That he is better than than a lot of what they've got or got already um so it is going to be very interesting i think i think liverpool aren't at the stage yet where they're abandoning all hope of of kaita and van dyke because i think they know that it's you know things can change quickly in in football especially when the players go back to their clubs um you know and, and you know kaita will know how much liverpool want him you know he'll be out i'm sure he'll be having some discussions on that front, um, but it will be interesting at what stage Liverpool do decide. You know, essentially, when Klopp decides that you know this isn't going to happen, and then what does he do then? D- does he push on with what he's got, or is there someone else out there that he thinks would be a you know a decent backup option?
0: Paul, the the, the, the it's not like for like, but if 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 Keita remains off the table from Leipzig, so to speak, um, in terms of bolstering the midfield, there's been talk of. Uh, Oxley Chamberlain, who Liverpool are sort of hovering, waiting to see you know how his situation develops at Arsenal, uh, that would be a different situation, I think, in terms of James's outlined cater's qualities in terms yeah. of you know being such a talent to come straight into the team. Oxley Chamberlain would be a player most people would see as probably a really excellent squad player, yeah. He's got a few yeah. different few different strings to his bow, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, that's exactly how I'd see it, to be honest. Um, he likes to play centre midfield, and, you know, he can obviously play there, but he can also play wide right as well. So I think for the, the price that's been, I think it was £25 million is it something yeah. like that. I think in this market, for £25 million for an England international who can play centre midfield and, and right wing as a squad player, and he's not going to be a detriment to the team when he comes in. He's not going to be a weak link. Um, I think that would represent smart business for the pool. Um So I'd like to see that one done personally. Um
0: yeah, if Neil if Neil Jones was in this podcast he'd be shaking his head and I sure, very sure. much not He and, doesn't
2: write um, Can't say though, does he? <laughs> no, he doesn't and, uh, I've highlighted this with yeah. him
0: before. Christian Walsh in the hand, a massive Oxleyed uh, Chamberlain fan. Uh you're in favour Pearcy, the, the problem might be that the reason he wants out of Arsenal is is more game time. You, you you'd be effectively saying to him, Look, you haven't you haven't managed to secure a first team place down there, come up here and have a go. But you couldn't give him any promises on that score, as you say, because it's midfield is a relatively congested area.
1: Yeah, and I think that's when, you, when you kind of look at it and weigh it all up, that's probably what you foresee as being a potential stumbling block to, to that deal happening. I think at the moment, Liverpool's stance with oxlade Chamberlain is very much, you know, they want to be up, kept updated on his situation. He's of interest to them. Um, you know, I think probably slightly wary that their interest could be used as a bargaining chip. In his negotiations with Arsenal, um, but you know, from what I'm led to believe, he's nowhere near signing a new contract there. So you know, he, he felt quite disrespected by the offer that he was made at the back end of the last season. Didn't feel as if it was you know reflective of his, if he, what he sees as value to the club. So unless Arsenal's stance changes, you know, it, it doesn't look as if he'll be penning a new deal there. And from, from what I'm what I'm told, Arsenal would accept they'd had to they would then have to sell him rather than. Risk losing him for nothing next year, um, so I think at that stage Liverpool would certainly be be looking to to make a bid for him. But you know, I, I guess if he gets to that stage, it then comes down to Oxlade-Chamberlain himself in terms of does he back himself to to come to Liverpool and, and earn a place. I think I think you know, he's not at the level where Liverpool will be able to make him any kind of guarantees about playing time. But you know it, it, he would. You know, I think as we touched on probably last week, you know you look at. I'm sure he would have he would have looked at what Klopp has done for various other young players in that squad, you know, Lotley, Chan, um, and probably thought, you know, I quite fancy the you know the prospect of continuing my development under his guidance. Um, but yeah, I think I think the way I see it is he would be an excellent squad player for Liverpool. And at twenty-five million, as Paul said, you know, for a, a relatively young England international um would it would it would make smart business, but you know I think there's a lot that's got to happen between now and then for that to become a reality.
0: The 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 third if we go on to the third member of the holy trinity of the <laughs> summer really in terms for Liverpool, and um, you sort of almost we're going back to where the summer started really, which was with Virgil Van Dijk, and uh, you did a Q and A with with fans on the online today on 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 the uh, on the Echo website, lots of interest in terms of. Where are we up to with Virgil Van Dyke could the deal be revived and um, essentially in Liverpool's view I think that the balls very much not in their court anymore yeah. isn't it it's 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 it, it's not dead but effectively they're very much on a, a you know I've stepped away as they promised they would really
1: yeah and I, and I think the only way they step back in is if they get any kind of encouragement for Southampton that that their interest would be kind of uh, accepted and, and and encouraged in some way, I think you know, it's, they've got to be very careful where they where they tread on this one. You know, obviously with the fallout from the the apology and publicly withdrawing their interest at, at the start of June. Um, you know, I think I think even even without that episode happening, you know, it was pretty clear that Southampton weren't keen on the idea of selling to Liverpool. You know, what would he be the the sixth player yeah. to make that leap in what three years? Is it three years? Three yeah. years? I mean, it's it's, you know, I, I think it's fair to fair to kind of summarise that they're pretty sick to death of Liverpool coming <laughs> in and, and cherry picking their talent each summer. Um, so, yeah, and especially with what went on, you know, there's no chance of Liverpool testing the water there. I don't think at the moment. And it, I know people, you know, obviously Les Reed came out yesterday and said he's not for sale. People obviously jump on the fact that he said. I think Kooman said exactly the same thing when he was at Southampton about Lovren about two weeks before Liverpool actually bought Lovren. Um and the as well. S- yeah, similar thing. Yeah, similar similar thing. So, you know, we all know that things can change very quickly in football and what people say publicly can be very different to what it is privately. But I, I think this is a this is a different situation to them. You know, it's I, I think I think the only way Liverpool get Van Dyke is if later on in the window um he's agitating for a move You know, they then accept that they don't want to be risking keeping an unhappy player. I don't know a safer argument. Say Chelsea are bidding for him. It becomes pretty clear that Southampton are 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 listening to those bids and are actually negotiating. I think then Liverpool potentially test the water and say, well, hang on a minute. You know, if Chelsea are offering you 60 million, here's 65 million, and then it comes down to would you know would Southampton want to do business with Liverpool after what's gone on? um you know you'd, you'd like to think they potentially would because they just want the highest fee possible for their player but yeah it's it's one that's fraught with difficulty and i think it would have been very i don't i don't think it's necessarily a case of because of liverpool's pursuit of him and alleged tapping up that it's suddenly become difficult because i don't think it would have been ever easy to to go and buy van dijk of southampton you know because a they they don't want to sell him and b they certainly don't want to sell him to liverpool
0: Paul, if you're you're a Southampton fan, would you would would you be bothered if the, you know, if the club, would you rather the club took using James's scenario, sixty million from Chelsea, let's take it as red. You're annoyed to lose the player, but but you're going to, sixty million from, would you rather take sixty million from Chelsea or take sixty five to seventy million from Liverpool, um, or or would you rather just take the sixty million, take take the loss and go well, at, well at least we we stood up to. Liverpool, who've been down here cherry picking our players yeah, too often.
2: If I was a Southampton fan, I don't think Liverpool's standing could be any lower. Um, so, if I'm a Saints fan, I'd, I'd rather that they sold to Chelsea for fifty million than Liverpool's sixty. Honestly, you take you take a ten yeah, million. Hit on it, 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 it. You know, for, for a Southampton fan, that, that ten million is nothing to them, is it? That's not going to be the difference between them. You know, signing player X or player B with the money that's just a in the Premier League at, at, at this stage. Um, so. Basically, I I think most Southampton fans would want to cut the nose off just to spite the face and just to to spite Liverpool and be like, you know, you've paid nearly 100 million in players in three years, but this is one you're not getting, um, and it's your own fault. And you can go to Chelsea for for less than than what you're offering. Um, But on the flip side, I think Liverpool should just be hard-faced and think if they're not going to face any disciplinary action for tapping up and that's all confirmed and, and done, you know, it's all above board, just go back in for him, just, just give Southampton a ring and say it's £60 million, like £65 million.
0: Well, the Premier League, I think, from what we understood, said there was, n- there was no evidence of any wrongdoing. Um, um, my fear of I was in Liverpool's situation and with no inside knowledge in terms of what's gone on with Van Dyke, but Southampton were so um, insistent that, that something untoward had gone on that um you you I would be worrying that evidence might emerge <laughs> if if I was to be as cheeky to go back in with a bid so I think I think at this stage perhaps the 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 watching brief and uh bid, bid if asked uh is probably where we are what people would then say Percy, is well okay if we have to move on from Van Dyke it's similar to cater situation but but substantially different in terms of we're well stocked in midfield. Center half's a different issue in terms of some people, as you say, Lovren splits opinion. Um, but even if you take Lovren and uh, and Matip as your as your two, you then drop down to Clavan and or Lucas really as fourth choice Joe center Gomez. back, and, and then yeah. Joe Gomez. And um, Joe Gomez, you know, was linked with a, a move to Brighton yesterday uh, as a done deal. That that's not right, but he he you know Klopp's going to have a look at him in pre season and uh, a loan could well materialise for him if depending on what Klopp sees as ideal for him.
1: Yeah, I think I think Liverpool are right to to not rush into any decision on Gomez. Really, I think you know the the word is that Klopp wants to you know assess him in pre season and see where he's up to. Um, you know, obviously Gomez had a really difficult season last season. You know, coming back from that that serious knee injury. Um, you know, I think he wanted to get back, got back playing for the first time didn't he? In January in those FA Cup games, yeah. but wasn't able to to kick on from that. You know, didn't didn't really feature at all. I don't think in in, in the Premier League. Um, so a big season for him. I think you know he needs to he needs to play. And if you know if, if Klopp doesn't believe he's in, you know he's a, of the at the level yet required f- for Liverpool's first team next season. Then I think alone is a no-brainer, and you know, Brighton would certainly be a. A good place for him, you know Premier League football week in week out where he'd command the starting place, but yeah i think I think again, you know it probably depends on another center half coming in because you know as, as as you said, then you go through it, and if you know Lucas there's a good chance Lucas could move on this summer if he does, then you know you couldn't you know if if you don't get Van Dijk and you don't get anyone else then you you can't let Gomez go because. You know, it would be him and Claven as as backup to to Lovren and Matip. So, um, but yeah, I I do think that you know I think I think Kite is a bit different in that you know I I think the, the the feeling is that he's that good. He would just he would just improve Liverpool regardless, and you 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 don't need another centre midfielder. Maybe if you don't get him, but I do feel as if Liverpool, are, you know, if they don't, I th- I think they'd have to go after someone if they don't get Van Dijk because. I just don't see how you could, you know, essentially go into a, a Champions League group game or something with, with Clavin as as first choice. I just think that Clavin I thought he did really well last season for what was he, four million quid. Um but you look at you look at where he's played and his age as well, he's not gonna get any better at what was he, thirty thirty one or whatever. So yeah. um that's yeah, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be really interesting to see how how that one pans out. I think going back to what we said about Van Dyke and Southampton said something similar about Lovren, um, about him not being for sale. And, and two weeks after that, they actually accepted a bid from Liverpool. I think the difference then was, and this probably applies to Kuyt as well as Van Dijk, is that Lovren really agitated for a move to Liverpool. You know, I remember there was quotes from him, you know, almost threatening to to not turn up to training. I think there was a quote where he said, "My head's already at Liverpool," which is you know, and Southampton had just rejected an initial bid. One of the reasons he gets such a terrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. terrible I, and response, I think not yeah, it? Yeah, and I was going to say that's that's kind of, you know, for Van Dyke and Kaita, you know, probably probably less so for for Keiter because the chances of Liverpool running into Leipzig anytime soon are, are relatively remote. But certainly for Van Dyke, you know, I'm sure he'll be aware of the absolute abuse and torrent of hate that Lovren was subjected to, and if. We're essentially saying that you know the ball was probably in Van Dyke's court in terms of it was pretty obvious three weeks ago he definitely wanted to move to Liverpool. How much does he want to try and make that happen? Well, if he does make that happen, there's obviously no doubt that he will receive the same same treatment as, as Lovren has.
0: Paul, just in terms of centre halves, um, are you similarly skeptical about James in terms of going into the season with, if with Clavance your third choice and. Where do you stand on Joe Gomez in terms of um, still high hopes that he can make it to Liverpool and Premier League level? Um, you know he obviously started off very yeah. encouragingly before the injury, but as Percy was saying, you know, well, you know, well off the pace when when he got the opportunity. Yeah. La- uh, last do, season. Does it does seem
2: a long time ago, doesn't it? That he started under Brendan Rodgers at left back and he yeah. played half a dozen games before he got injured and was a Klopp's first training session. Yeah. Um, since that injury, you've oh no, he got he got injured with. Uh, I 21s, yeah. 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 I'm thinking of um, Ings. Danny Ings. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that was nearly two years ago now, wasn't it? So that was an awful long time ago. He hasn't really kicked on since, and, and you can understand why. He's been reduced to FA Cup games and you know League Cup games, whatever it may be. And Liverpool didn't exactly set the FA Cup alight this year, that they? two games against Plymouth and then got beat by Wolves. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, I think long-term, he, he seems like he, he could be someone who will feature as a centre-back. He's still only 20, is he? 21? Yeah. Uh, plenty of time on his side. I just think he, he does need games. Um, So I think that long move could be beneficial for Liverpool long-term should they sign a centre-back. And I think Liverpool as a centre-back before we even discuss Gomez. You know, we are talking about Lovren and and um, I think they still need the centre back to compete with those two. That's before you talk about Klavan and then possibly Lucas playing there. Um, so I think a centre back should be top of the list really for Liverpool this summer.
0: Yeah, uh, but on loans, Percy. Some uh, interest in uh, in Shea Ojo as well. Obviously, uh, World Cup winning uh, Shea Ojo We should uh, probably he'll be, he'll be forever that in uh, <laughs> in for for a while anyway until he wins uh, something more important. Um, Lots of interest, but uh, again, Liverpool are going to have a look at him in pre-season, aren't they? Before deciding what's best for the lad.
1: Yeah, I think you know, Newcastle, Burnley, Middlesbrough, amongst a host of Premier League and Championship clubs that have that have inquired about taking him on for the season ahead. But um, yeah, again, similar to Gomez, Klopp in no rush to make a decision on that. You know, I think the word is you know he obviously sees him as being part of his plans for pre-season. I'd, I'd expect him to go on the tour to. To Hong Kong, and then it's down to Ojo to to impress Klopp. I think you know it was a really <laughs> underwhelming season for Ojo last season because when you think you go back to the end of Klopp's first season, and he got you know he got a decent run of games towards yeah. the back end of that year, and then I remember on the tour last summer, you know he'd actually passed up a holiday to I think he'd been on England youth duty then and had gone straight to America. And was, you know, I remember doing an interview with him where he said, you know, Klopp had said to me to join a few weeks off. And I said, No, 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 I want to get straight back into it, you know, I want to impress him. Um, but, you know, I think the workload that he'd had over that period took its toll because then he had this stress fracture in his back, which essentially meant he meant he missed four four months worth of football and was then playing catch-up. I think when we did see little glimpses of him, he was nowhere near the kind of level and the potential that we know he's got. Um so yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I I can see he's he's potentially one who could, who could force his way into Klopp's plans for the season as a squad player. I think you know you obviously with Salah coming in, going to be very very difficult for him to re, you know when he's got Salah and Mane ahead of him in the pecking order in terms of a start. But you know we talk about Liverpool needing a squad for the for the season they've got coming up. I think he's just what he falls falls into that category of. You don't want to hamper his progress by keeping him and him spending the season sitting on the bench. Um, but it's that judgment call of if you keep him, will he get game time? Or is he best served going out and, and playing every week for, for Newcastle or or Middlesbrough or whoever, really? Of course, I wouldn't mind
0: seeing... The... 60 yard dash between Ojo <laughs> Salah and um, Mane. Mane. That, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I'd, sell, I'd happily promote that one. I think <laughs> that, I could sell the tickets for that. That's, um, I mean, Liverpool's chief exec uh, Peter Moore was uh, comparing the Liverpool forward line to the red arrows out yeah. of his uh, window the other day as they zoomed along the Mersey. Um, he's got that, hasn't he, Ojo, which is just so fundamental in terms of a starting block for a football career in terms of raw pierce, yeah, it, just, yeah. it can get you out of a lot of trouble, can't it? Yeah,
2: if you're a winger, you're going to have to have patience. He's got that in abundance. Um, I remember seeing a game during the World Cup, might have been Mexico, was it? Uh, one of the games, anyway, and um, he comes up on the halfway line and he it's like old-school play-hard stuff, just boots it in front of the, the defender passing, and he, yeah. just thinks, I'm quicker <laughs> than you, I'm going to get it. And he's, he's 40 yards down the pitch before the fellas even turned. Um, I remember seeing another game where he come on at half-time completely changed the game, and I haven't seen a performance like it for a long time in the 45 minutes he played. It was a sensational performance. Um, And, you know, if he can sort of kick on from from where he's been, uh, Liverpool could have a a very decent squad player at least next season. Um, And then, you know, it's up to him to to see how far he goes because he's another one who's got plenty of time on his side, plenty of ability, it seems. Uh, So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, there's been... um you know we've we've seen a lot of him in uh in the teens and and twenty ones and twenty threes uh, James and it, it it's always been he's always had the ability he he needs to make better decisions on the pitch I know that the coaching staff we knew were trying to tell him to be more direct in his play at times and uh, he his ability to play both sides will stand him in good stead wherever he goes as well because he's got great left foot but he loves he can play on the right cutting in on his left so he, he's got a lot to offer anyone who did want to take him on loan hasn't he.
1: Yeah, and I think especially winning that under twenties World Cup in in South Korea with England, you know, just heightens his profile. I'm sure you know that's added to his his list of suitors. When you know there have been a lot of scouts watching that. I think, I think the big thing with Ojo is you know it does feel as if the clock is ticking a little bit because you know last year was a wasted year, really. I think I think you're right. You know, the, you speak to the coaching staff about Ojo and that they all seem to say you know they. He's, I think he's quite a frustrating young player to work with because. You get the impression there's so much more to come from him, and you know, as you said, you know, decision making at times lets him down. Um, but ho- you know, hopefully, this is the year where he he really kicks on because you know, he, he's right up there. If you're talking about young Liverpool players with potential, then you know, he there's there's very few that, that that have got the kind of ability, the raw ability he's got. It's just a case of channeling that the the right way. And you know, if that's not at Liverpool this season. Then you know whoever gets him, you know will um, be be very very lucky if if he um, if if he does kick on and, and, and produce what we know he's capable of.
0: of course, the um, players back at Melwood next week, uh, yeah. unbelievably, uh, and thank God really. Um, <laughs> um, July the fifth, I think, they come back, which is Wednesday, I think, yeah. um, and then a week after that we're into pre-season. Role, and, yeah, yeah, and we've got yeah. the Tranmere and Wigan. And I don't know about you, but I'm uh, for those of us who don't get uh, to, to to jump on the plane like Percy and head off to <laughs> Hong Kong uh, and everywhere else. It's um, I enjoy those uh, local friendlies. Yeah. I'm quite excited. I know obviously it'll be a depleted p- team and a few of the players who played internationals by the end of the season, you know, and, and the likes of Salah won't won't be there in those early games. But it's a, it's a real treat for local fans, I think, to to have a couple of. You know, Wigan Tranmere, yeah. as you say, get across there and, and break the tedium of a somewhere yeah. without yeah. football.
2: I, I was at the Tramir game last year actually, and it felt like an on away on a day. It was, it was quite weird. Um, you know, you're only across in, in and but it, had that kind of feel to it. And it's the first time the fans got a chance to see uh, Sadio Mane in action, and um, it was quite a strange, strange game. Was they had the um, is it the defender? can can't quite remember his name. He's the big stocky fella. That's him. Yeah. Tim, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was sort yeah. of keeping money quiet and it was like you know just, just such <laughs> as a real thing but um, it, you know, it it just gives a, a fans a chance so, <laughs> just just to see what the, the new fouls are all about early on and just a little bit of excitement that just leads in towards August and then when the real stuff begins that, that's when it, everyone's really really up for it yeah.
0: James are you, you managing to make it to Tram or are you saving yourself for a bit I'm, of Hong Kong and Germany no there? no I'll
1: be, I'll be there every step of the way yeah yeah just yeah. Sawing out the plans this week for Hong Kong and then the training camp in Germany. So it's a good looking
0: set of fixtures, isn't it? It sort of builds yeah. nicely, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good balance. I think, it probably before Klopp came along, you kind of got the feeling that it was the tours were getting longer and longer, and it was more about flogging shirts than necessarily getting the players in tip-top condition for the the the, the, the kind of challenge ahead. But I think there's no doubt that Klopp has got hold of that, and I think you only have to look at the itinerary this summer to see, you know, he's it's very much what he wants rather than what anyone in a commercial department wanted. I think if it was if it was a commercial trip, Liverpool would be probably playing four or five games in Asia and Australia, which is what they they could have done and earned a lot more money. But um, Klopp made it clear that you know I think the the end of season game in Sydney was a compromise in terms of we'll go there now rather than in pre season. You know, a very short tour of the Far East only six six days. I think it is two games in Hong Kong. Then he takes Liverpool to, to Germany, um, Bavaria. You know, obviously an area he knows very well for that training camp. And you know, I think the other big thing is, you know, really high caliber opposition as well. When you look at, you know, the oldie Cup, playing, you know, Bayern Munich and you know, potentially Atletico Madrid in, in a second game. Then and then, you know, obviously Hertha Berlin in, over in Berlin as well. And you know, the, the game against Bilbao in in Dublin. You know, there's. You look at it and you think that, you know, there's. There's no real reason why Liverpool should be undercooked come the middle of August, and they shouldn't be shattered either from some crazy global tour. So, yeah, obviously, there's bound to be challenges along the way, but you know, on paper, it looks like a solid pre season.
0: Yeah, well, um, Liverpool, with that looming Champions League playoff uh, very in the first week of the season, first two weeks of the season for the two legs, uh, will need to hit the ground running, and uh, let's hope uh, pre season does the job for them but um, that'll about do it for today Um, uh, no doubt we'll be back early next week, who knows what twists and turns we'll see in the various transfer sagas between now and then but for now this has been your Blood Red podcast thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll be back with you uh, early next week so have a good weekend and uh, cheerio